Welcome back to the Thermo Diet Podcast. For anyone new here, Thermo is a way of being which promotes optimal flow of energy throughout the body. Without adequate energy, we cannot maintain the beautifully complex structure that is you and I. This podcast is all about improving your energy flow through diet, exercise, and lifestyle factors so we can all become the best version of ourselves. I'm your host, Tyler Woodward. But all my friends call me Woody. And today we are joined by Kitty Bloomfield and Craig McDonald. And we're going to be discussing weight loss myths for women and just general health myths and tips and tricks for women. How are you guys doing today, Kitty and Craig? We're good. Thanks for having us. Good. Yeah. Well, now that we know we call you Woody. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's so, a good nickname. <laughs> yeah. My last name is Woodward. It's all, it stuck with me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Please, please do. <laughs> so you guys are the founders of New Strength, um, which is your training platform for mostly women, I believe. And Kitty is also the founder of Saturate Official, which is one of the coolest skincare lines around. Highly recommend it. Um, how did you guys get into fitness yourselves? Well, well, I guess we can skip that. We'll talk about like the health, the Ray Pete sphere. How did you guys get into, you know, this world? Well, I, I I basically, you know, did like most women who are listening to this will probably relate, you know, did every bloody quick fix diet out there, you know, just flogged myself with boot camp and classes and heaps and heaps of running. And uh, when I got divorced, I was uh, seeing this therapist and we'd always talk about nutrition because I was always looking for the next diet, you know, the one that was going to be sustainable that I could stick to and that was, you know, healthy and uh, she just said to me, had I, had I ever heard of Dr. Ray Pete and Emma Scrackus, the nutrition coach? And I hadn't. So I went away and read all of their material and then emailed Emma and said I had to work with her. And at the same time, I met Craig. And so basically, you know, Emma just basically flipped every nutrition belief I had on its head. <laughs> and Craig taught me about strength training, and energy balance and tracking my food. And I basically got Craig onto the, you know, like, cause, cause I was, cause he just ate like a bodybuilder. Hey, Craig, like yeah. you ate the, the, yeah. the, the nut butters and the protein powders and the oats. And then so, cause me being me, you know, like a rat up a drain pipe, had to get him on board too. And then so he started eating this way and implementing some of the things that Emma had taught me. And we both just loved it. You know, we felt better. We, you know, trained our performance in the gym were better. We had better sleep. You know, I had better cycles. And then, we basically opened our gym and, you know, rolled this sort of nutrition approach out in our gym with the strength training. So started to develop our methodology and that's basically how we found Ray and Emma. Definitely. I've heard that story a couple of times, but you got to share it for the listeners. <laughs> um, Craig, do you want to give yourself any background as well? Yeah. I mean, like I, I was just doing, as Kitty said, the, the typical sort of bodybuilding type bodybuilder type diet it was the protein powders and the, the chicken and rice and all that sort of stuff and, and it's just it's funny you know people have a perspective on things because you're learning from people who you know obviously have what you want and and the coaches I was learning from at the time were big strong guys and you're doing all this and it's just like this is just how we've done it and this is the way we'll always do it sort of thing we don't really question it and it wasn't until, you know, Kitty started asking me these questions that obviously Emma was putting onto her. It was just like, well, what's your digestion like? And what's your eating like? What's your mood? Where, you know, what's your blood sugar? What, that state post meal, like all of these questions that, you know, certainly when you go through PT school, you learn about this stuff. This is just stuff that no one asks. And it wasn't until I sort of started to think about that a little bit more specifically 
and just ask the question, like, well, could I feel a bit better? Could I have better energy? Could I have more stable moods? Could I potentially recover better from training and all of these things? And then obviously with the repeat diet, which is, well, I, I, I use that term repeat diet very, very loosely. I will just use it for this context. But it's not really, there's no uh, repeat diet. His philosophy. No diet. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah the, the, the teachings of it. But I think where a lot of people go wrong with it is, is you know, the food is highly palatable and it's, it, it's amazing food. And when you start eating it, you're like, oh, this is really, really tasty. But then when you start out asking those questions around, can I feel better? What's my digestion like? It's all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm not burping as much. I'm not as bloated as much. I'm not, maybe there is something into us. And, you know, when you understand energy balance and just tracking your macros and, and strength training, it's just like, well, let's just incorporate these same foods into what I was already doing. And then all of a sudden it was just so many things improved that I didn't even realize were things. Um, you know, like I said, my sleep got better, you know, my, my skin started to improve, you know, recovery from training was better. Like, and so it, it just, I'm always very much a test and measure type person. You know, I'm like, I'll give anything a go. I'll test it and I'll measure it. And you know, if, if I don't see an outcome or a positive outcome, then I won't do it. Um, but it was pretty much instantaneous and obviously just very enjoyable to, to start doing. So yeah. it really didn't take too much convincing, but obviously with Kitty being, her natural self and being a, an energizer bunny with everything and throws herself into it. She's like, we've got to do this. You've got to do this. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, you know, there was, there was well, plenty it's also of too, like just eating delicious food again. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's sometimes I think about it. It's like weird that I'm like, it's weird. People don't eat like this because it's such an enjoyable yeah. lifestyle. And it's like, in my opinion, by far the healthiest lifestyle. And I'm thinking like, Hmm, like I, I used to eat a lot of peanut butter. That was one of the things I ate. And it's like, I can't imagine, I mean, not that I don't sometimes miss peanut butter. I mean, I honestly haven't really thought about it in a while, but like, I would eat it if it was in front of me. But like, I don't know. I feel like we eat in such an enjoyable, sustainable, easygoing way. Like obviously it takes some effort and, you know, some getting used to, but it's, it's too easy, too delicious. Yeah. Well, that really is the biggest thing. It's, it's like when you let go of certain foods, you know, it's, it's one thing that we always talk about. You just don't get cravings for things like, oh, I just can't live without this. I'm like, I don't really have that problem with anything anymore because I'm giving my body everything it needs. And cravings are just usually your body telling you, hey, you're deficient in something. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was the same. I used to smash peanut butter. That was always a staple in the protein shakes and stuff. And, and it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love the taste of peanut butter. But mm-hmm. like you, I haven't thought about it in years. I'm like, who gives a shit? The, the other reason too is, looking at it from a a, a, a nutrient-dense perspective. Like, you you know, I think one of the things we always encourage is try and pick the foods that are easy to digest and very absorbable in terms of their, their, their nutrient profile. And obviously, there's going to be that, that taste factor as well. But I, I see a lot of things like peanut butter, for example, is fairly nutritionally useless type foods. Like, it tastes good. You know, people are like, oh, what about the good fats? And what about that? And I'm like, well, what about the the um anti-nutrients and what about the phytic acids you know as i'm like there's you know there's a trade-off you know there's better choices i'm not saying you can't agree it but you know again it's just like understanding what food actually is and what it's actually giving you and whether you can digest and absorb it and it's just like those sort of things while they taste good are pretty down pretty low on the list mm-hmm. in terms of priorities i think though too like i just want to add something in there because like for a lot of women, I think they're just so afraid of foods and there's like there's foods that are good and foods that are bad and eating like this way has allowed me to have so much food freedom and not like so if I want to eat some fucking peanut butter, yeah. I don't be like, oh, my God, I can't eat peanut butter. 
you know, I'm not going to eat a jar of it a day, but if I want to make some protein balls and have a bit of peanut butter, I want to have a tablespoon here and there. I'm not afraid. I just know, okay, well, this is pretty high in fat. You know, mm. let's look at my calorie allocation for the day. Is it, do I want to have it? You know, or do I don't want to have it? You know, so I think it just, you know, you no longer become so afraid of foods. And I feel like too, when you're healthy and your digestion is good, then you can tolerate some not so, you know, like for example, we'll go out to eat and like restaurants just use vegetable oils and pufas, but I just don't even worry about it now because I know that the majority of my diet is good. My body can handle that small amount of whatever is non-optimal food. And I just am so like, there's no, I don't get stressed about food anymore. You're going to get stressed yourself out way more. Like the damage from all that stress, being freaking out about the pufas of the restaurant, probably going to be worse than the actual pufas. You know, it's what you do 90% of the time that matters. You know, if you're going out and eating a meal a week that has some, you know, like vegetable oils in it, it just isn't going to matter. You know, I think sometimes we get so focused on the tiny little details and stress and, you know, so, yeah, I really feel like it's just given me so much food freedom because I actually understand food now. Like I said, it's not like this food is so bad and this food is good. It's just about finding what works for you and what you enjoy and then, you know, just like balance. Craig, I think you brought up a great point. I think there's a lot of issues that people are dealing with today that I like to say are, are normalized or almost hidden because, you know, so many people are dealing with them. It's become normal like having these huge blood sugar swings, having these huge changes in digestion, things like that. Um, what do you think are the most common issues you see women dealing with? And you, we talk about men as well, but in particular where it's like, things that they shouldn't be dealing with, but like they've been told, you know, it's just part of uh, your cycle or, you know, part of being a woman, those kind of things that are fixable at least. We could talk about that for an hour, to be honest. The list is pretty long, but you, you pretty much touched on it. I think certainly for, for females, like, you know, um, getting cramping and, and a lot of those, you know, negative symptoms around their cycle is considered normal certainly by the mainstream media, like, yeah, everyone gets that. And a lot of doctors will just go, look, well, let's just put you on the pill and that'll kind of help, you know, bring down some of those symptoms and you'll be fine. But we also know that, you know, contraceptives also create longer term problems as well. And, you, you know, certainly on the other end with the, like the, the, the menopause is a huge one. I mean, there's such a huge market for, you know, like, yeah, women, they're like, oh, the hot flushes and all this sort of stuff. This is all normal. Everyone goes through it. And I'm like, none of any of this is fucking normal. And it should never be tolerated as normal. Like, it is purely a reflection of how you are living fundamentally. Right. And, and this is why, you know, I've seen you title like post, um, you know, things on Instagram, you know, talking about, you know, uh, mainstream health and nutrition is a little bit wayward and uh, I, I won't crap on too much about it, but, you know, we, we've kind of all got that belief that in a lot of those areas, you know, people really get let down. And when a lot of women come into our program, you know, a lot of our role is to try and change that perception of them of that's not normal, this is what normal is, and our goal, our objective is to get you to that point. Now, that might require X amount of time. And, and for a lot of people, that's going to require a lot of fundamental changes, just how they live day to day. But the reality is people are just getting so dosed up now by doctors because this is quote-unquote normal. And the reality is if you just understand what's causing, you know, and a majority of it is just like estrogen dominance. 
right? And if we understand what causes these estrogen issues and we change our diet and we change potentially some of our environment and, and some of the other stresses, a lot of these things just get fixed as just part of just living better. And I just don't think medication is ever the course. I don't think you ever need to do that. You know, sometimes going through this process, things could potentially get a little bit worse before they get better. But to, to, to say that you're living in pain or these symptoms that you get chronically is normal. is just fucking outrageous. Sorry to swear. But, no, yeah, no but that's, that's the biggest thing we need to come over, you know, like, Absolutely. It's almost like these symptoms are normal. So we're going to, like the way you said it, we kind of just put it in perspective. It's like these symptoms are normal. So we're going to give you this drug to correct these normal symptoms. Instead of something is wrong, let's correct it. You know, it's like, so, um, Kitty, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think that it's like, it's looking at the root cause, you know, rather than just treating the symptoms. So take the pill, which just stops you from ovulating. So therefore you don't get any symptoms because you're not having a cycle anymore. And I think you know, prior to finding Emma and learning about my cycle and the benefits of ovulation and making progesterone, I just, I mean, I have to take some ownership for that too. Like I just you know, went to the doctor and didn't do any of my own research and just accepted what they said to be truth. And, you know, and then obviously meeting Emma and learning more about like my cycle, I was like, oh, okay, it's good to ovulate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to suffer with these heavy and painful periods. Um and, you know, it, I think, like, we all want a quick fix, right? Like, it's just better if it's quicker. Mm-hmm. But I think, like Craig talked about, there's, and I always say to women in our program, like, you're going to do our program and then at the end you're going to be like, wow, this isn't actually that hard. You know, why did I spend so many years dumping from quick fix diet to quick fix diet? But it does take consistency and time and changing behaviour, which is difficult, you know, because, like, so many women have, you know, we, we binge eat, we under eat, we, for so many reasons. So, you know, like it's sometimes a hard pill to swallow going, okay, well, I just have to track my food and get enough protein and balance my blood sugar and, you know, get some more sleep and get some steps in and do some strength training. And it's, it's a, it's slow, Yeah, you know, it's a slow process, but yeah, like Craig said, I think like, don't feel bad if you've got these symptoms, you know, don't think, oh my God, like it's so bad. And, you know, I can't fix it. Um, it is very common, but you can. You can absolutely improve them with diet and lifestyle uh, changes. My hardest take is I think uh, I've tweeted about this a couple of times. I don't think women should be cold. Obviously, we all get cold at some points, but it's just like a very accepted thing that like women. And I think it's, you know, you guys probably agree to a degree. It's very related to the hypothyroidism and, you know, not producing your lower metabolism means producing less body heat. So you're constantly shivering, you're constantly cold. And I think a large part of that is, you know, the mental aspect of women, I guess, almost being like shamed into eating less, like they're constantly trying to eat less. And then maybe yeah, the binge, yeah. binge, uh, purge cycle. Like those. Well, I think it's like women just want to like, for, cause I know, cause I was there, like I was always, I want to be skinny. Mm-hmm. Only thin, you know, like when I split up from my husband, I starved myself. I lost so much weight and I was so thin. And I was like, oh, I'm so happy, you know, like I look good, but I felt fucking terrible, you know. And like I remember when I met Craig and he's like, oh, you got to stop destroying the body you have with restrictive diets and hours of cardio and start like focus on building this body you want with strength training and nourishing your body and eating real food. Um, and so when I sort of like, started to eat more and then started strength training and just fell in love with strength training. And, you know, obviously I'll be lying if I said I don't like looking how I look because I do. I do. 
But you look great. <laughs> you're both. Oh, awesome. thanks, thanks, Sarah. But how I look now, like I'm a lot heavier than I was, mm-hmm. you know. But my body composition is better, and I'm not saying look if you're an 80 kilo female or what higher body weight, you are going to lose weight even as you build muscle. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we get just so focused on I've got to be on this number on the scale and I want to be skinny and fit in these whatever size jeans and you just you just destroy yourself trying to get there. Yeah. Um, and then you end up with all these issues because like when you think about it logically, like, you know, like your body, it needs energy and nutrients. And if you're constantly under eating and then with a lot of women we work with, they end up binge eating and you don't binge eat on fruit or dairy or like you go and eat like I'd, I'd end up in bloody tubs of Ben and Jerry's and donuts, corn chips. I've loved corn chips, you know, Me like too. Jersey caramels. So you're just loading up on pufas and dog shit food, you know. So it's it's getting yourself out of that, I think, restriction binge cycle and just eating more on a day-to-day basis and getting and you know I know a lot of women push back on the tracking and I get it because I was that fucking woman like I associated tracking with restriction because every time I tracked in the past it was about eating 1200 calories and cutting carbs and all joy and then when I met Craig and Emma it was going okay like you're at I'm just making some numbers up 62 kilos and you're 30% body fat all right look at some pictures this is what you want to look like all right you actually have to gain muscle to get there so you have to eat some more food you know, and just shifting my perspective and focusing on that. And it just makes such a difference. And I think if you can just put the work in and, you know, spend some few years building muscle, eating more food, you will just be in such an amazing place where you can maintain this leaner, more muscular physique, eating way more food. And it's it's actually easy once you build the foundation. But you just have to build the foundation. At least compared to, you know, the alternative where it's just, you know, not eating anything. Like it's, it's seen in the interim, it's probably harder because you're making all these changes and, you know, you might gain some weight. But like the alternative is just, you know, the fasting. It's just horrible. <laughs> or on the opposite side, because I think, look, women listening to this too, it's like they listen to it and go, oh, but I don't want to gain weight. I'm like, well, if you're like 35% body fat plus, you're not going to gain weight. You don't need to gain weight. But, you know, and Craig can probably talk more to this is like when women come into our program, there's so many of them are under-muscled. So we spend a good amount of time sitting them at maintenance and getting them to improve their body composition, eat more food, improve their health issues. So they may not see the scales change a lot at the start unless they're very overweight, um, but their body composition will change and their measurements will go down. And then when it's time to actually you know, go into a deficit, they're just more resilient. They've got more muscle. They're eating more food. So the, the weight, the, the weight, and the fat drops off much easier when you've built that foundation. And I, I think that's what so many women struggle with because they're like, I just want to see this number go down on the scales. Mm. When what they really need to focus on is actually building more muscle because they're under muscled. And Craig will be able to speak more about this. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the thing is everyone's so fixated because of the you know the the, the culture you know the fitness culture for uh, you know, lack of a bit of a term in terms of like looking at so many people who are in amazing shape and it's just like you know like i want to look like that right that person is a lot less fatter than i am and so everything's just about fat loss fat loss fat loss and i i try to explain it in ways like fat loss is a byproduct of you controlling your body weight primarily through the amount of calories you consume on a daily basis and how strong you can get over time, which is going to build the lean mass. 
right? Both of those two elements we can track and measure, right? We can measure how much food we consume on a daily basis. And we can track, uh, we can track the progressive overload in, in training in terms of weight on the bar, the amount of reps we're getting from session to session. Fat loss is going to be a byproduct of that. So you can't, you know, people are like, oh, I'm doing this fat loss workout. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no such thing as a fat loss workout. It doesn't work like that, right? You've got no control over at any point how much fat you're going to lose. You need to focus on the muscle aspect, which is controlled by training and how strong you can get and how much food goes down your neck. That's it. Like, yes, steps is another one. Obviously, your activity, you can track your steps. It's another element that we look at. But apart from that, they're the only things that you can actually track and measure, but the only things you can actually manipulate that's going to make any real difference anyway. So in the case, in the nine out of 10 cases, most women are actually really, really under-muscled. So then coming in and kind of going, I need to be less fat. I'm like, I understand that, but you are actually way more under-muscled than you are fat, as hard as that to believe. And if you actually focus the time going through what, what we refer to as just a recon phase, as Kitty said, calories are set at maintenance. No one's also going to establish any decent dietary habits when they're on lower calories as well. Um, so keeping calories is a little bit higher, but often what we end up seeing with people is if they really get into the training and understand what the, the strength milestones that they need to hit for different body parts are, then if they really get after it and really take the training aspect seriously, all of a sudden, in order for them to change their body, the calories don't go down, they continue to go up. Yeah. And then once they get to this point where they've hit enough strength and milestones, but they've also built enough lean body mass, which we can measure, um, you know, which is as a result of total body weight and their girth measurements, we can work that out. Then we can go, okay, at that point, if you're still at a body fat that you're not happy with, even after the body composition change, that's where a more specific fat loss phase would make sense. We actually start to go into a bit more caloric deficit. But the training side of things just needs to be maintained. So whatever strength they've built up to that point, those strength numbers just need to be maintained. You slowly taper the calories down and that excess body fat will just come off. And then once they get lean enough, then you can reverse diet. They can hopefully get back to you know eating enough calories, but they can maintain, maintain a relative lower body fat percentage. But that's all going to be based on the fact that they've built enough muscle previously before starting this. And, and in all honesty, Tyler, Getting people to buy into the fact of you need to build more muscle first mm-hmm. and stop worrying about the fat is really, really hard to do. Yeah. Um, well, it takes longer, doesn't it? You know, like we all, and I think women are so like, oh my God, I hate my body so much, you know, but I, I, I see, I see it. I just want to be less fat. I, yeah. less fat. Yeah. I get but that. Once, once they get it. Yeah. And they have that mindset switch. Hey, like we did a coaching or I did, we do separate coaching calls in our program and then three of them on there and they're like, oh, okay, I was having a chat to Craig. Yes, I really get it now. You yeah. get it. And once you have that switch and then you focus on nourishing your body and getting into that gym and just getting strong, like it's really empowering too. Like you're not going to regret learning how to lift and getting strong. It's the best. Like I'm totally addicted to it. Yeah. You know, it's such a rewarding uh, experience and when you are strong and capable you just, I feel so empowered and I and I feel like it flows on into other areas of your life. It just makes you feel like you're invincible, you know? A few better feelings than hitting the PR, you know? That's right. 100%. Yeah. Live for the PR. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I have a, t- a couple of friends on up, you know, lifting Lindsay or Valerie Lasvardi, and I always pull them up as examples. And I did the same thing. Honestly, I got sold into like Kino body. I don't know if you guys know him. I graduated high school, like one six, I'm like six foot. So I graduated high school at like 165 soaking wet. And I had two for years. I'd been like probably like 150. Like I was a twig, but I had a six pack, but no one cares. You look like, like you just look emaciated when you're 150 pounds at six foot. Just, and so I was afraid for a long time. It took me, I was afraid to gain weight because, you know, I wanted to stay lean, was afraid to lose the six pack until I went to college and gained weight accidentally and thought I was big. Uh, I, I made very little progress because I was never really putting any dents into like the physique. So, and you guys honed in on, you know, it's so important honing in on like how that you have to go through muscle building phase. You have to go through a little bit of a surplus phase. What's step one? Like, how do I, uh, you know, someone's coming into your program. What is the first thing you guys to do? Cause I find that I think a lot of women don't really eat consistently throughout the days. Like there's so many issues on top of the strength training that I guess need to be addressed coherently with it. So can I just go back a bit what you said? Because I feel yeah. like, the majority of women who come into our program, like maybe the women you work with are like me, small, under-muscled, like most of, lot of the women, I'd say 80% come in, they're heavier and they have too much body fat. So mm-hmm. like they don't actually need to eat in a surplus and gain weight. They need to eat at maintenance and improve their health issues and build muscle because I think that's where a lot of women go wrong and think, oh, when I come into this sphere is that I automatically need to gain weight. That's not true. That's not true. And if you're at 35% body fat, you don't need to gain more body fat, you know, but the principles for whoever you are coming into our program, depending on what your goals are, are the same. And this is why, and Craig would talk more to this, is we get very specific and granular with your goals and we look at your current body composition. What's your desired body composition? Okay, all right, well, you're at X and you want to get to Y. You actually have to train on this many kilos of muscle to get there. And then we're going to diet off this many kilos of fat. In order to achieve that amount of muscle, you need to hit X, Y, Z on your lift. So it gives you a very, it's, and I like this because I like to be specific and it takes the gray area out of it. And then, you know, like re-educating them on, you know, what actually are nutrient dense foods. Because I think so many women, everyone, I even a lady today, signed for a program, she's like, Kitty, I saw you posting, you're eating this delicious laksa for lunch with fruit. I'd love to eat food like that and lose weight. I'm like, well, you can. You don't have to eat this fucking Adami pasta or whatever, eat it, whatever, you know, those bloody soy things, yep. pasta. And she's like, you know, I eat healthy for three days and then I want to eat some ice cream and I fall off the wagon. So it's, I think there's lots of parts to it, but it's just, you know, like that, the body recomposition. This is why the mm. tracking is so important because it takes the emotion out of it. Yeah, I think I may have misspoken there. I think completely on board with everything you said. I think generally probably focusing on muscle recomposition or like, you know, building muscle is going to be the base. Mm. Um, so is that first step trying to, add, you know, get them in the gym, get them off the maybe hit workouts, the uh, Tabata stuff, and, you know, maybe get focused on nutrient dense foods. Like what is the first step you guys are really taking? When we do an onboarding call with someone, we get them to fill out like the intake form and try and get a full understanding, like diet history, you know, uh, how they feel about their body, what their goals are, what they're doing with their training, you know, like how many kids they got, all, all that sort of stuff. Because ultimately, um, and, and you would know this, Tyler, like what, what works for some doesn't work for others. What works for me may not work for you. And, and I mean that in terms of my day plan, my schedule, what I enjoy to eat, how many meals I would prefer to eat throughout the day that's going to actually work with my day. 
Do you know what I mean? So everyone's different like that. You know, obviously people have got kids, some people got to travel more with work. Like nutrition structures need to be designed in a way that, first of all, it's enjoyable. It's made up of primarily nutrient-dense foods and it's something that they can actually stick to Mm long-term. So getting the person into that and then sort of saying, okay, let's, let's understand a little bit more of your day plan. What time are you going to bed? What time do you wake up? You know, like what other responsibilities do you have around like children and what are you doing on the weekends? But all of these things, you know, certainly from a coach's aspect, give us the best kind of going, okay, with all that being said, this is how we're going to start. But ultimately, what gets you f- from A to B may not be the same plan that gets you to B to C and C to D and so on. There's got to be adjustments done along the way based off your feedback, mm-hmm. your body's biofeedback, you know, uh, like the enjoyment factor, the sustainability factor. And, and, and that's why like when people just go, Hey, you know, I'm really interested in what you guys do. Can you, can I buy like a meal plan off you and whatever? And it's just like, no, I'm like, just Google a meal plan. If that's all you want, that, but that's not what you need. Yeah. Right. Like, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, our, our neighbor, Kyle <laughs> is, an amazing guy, but he is a fucking whiz cannon. Like he loves to party. He's a, you know, in his thirties, runs a business, is really successful, but he, he lets loose a lot, right? Lots of late nights, probably a bit too much drugs. And we often like, we'll get up in the morning, take the dogs for a walk at 5.30 and he's just getting, this is the middle of the week. He'd be just getting home, you know, like all this sort of stuff. And he comes to me and he's like, oh bro, like, I, can, I need to get like a, like a, like a diet from you. And, you know, like I'll, I'll get some blood tests. You can you look at my bloods. I'm just so tired all the time, whatever. And you know, like, can you help me? I'm like, dude, what you need to do is stop going out and having late nights, stay off the pits, lay off the drugs, start getting some sleep and just start eating a decent amount of protein. Like, just start there. Right. Yeah. I'm like, none of, the, none of, none of that is going to help you. Like you, you need to do some fundamental basics. So, <laughs> try, so- trying to get back yeah, to those fundamental basics with people and, and trying to work it in with their their plan. That that's that's the tricky part, and that's where the art of coaching kind of comes in, making sure that we're asking them a lot of questions and making those adjustments based on the feedback the person is giving us. And you know, from a coaching point, communication is key. If we're not mind readers, if they don't communicate, we're kind of guessing a lot of the way. And I often use that term. I'm like, look, you don't pay us to guess. Like, communicate. Let us know how it's going. We can make adjustments. But yeah, I think it's just ultimately getting a person into understanding like this is a way of life for you mm-hmm. to make those, those legitimate changes. Like understanding you, we've got XYZ things that you need to either give up or do very sparingly. And, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes people are like, I've got this social circle and me and my husband like to go out and eat and we like to go out and drink and we like to do these things. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. You just need to understand that if you do those things, it's going to be very hard to make the changes, you know, based off the expectations that you have. And all we can do is just go, well, let's just put this plan in place and test and measure. If after a few weeks, you're not really seeing any changes, well, that's not probably anything to do with the plan. And that's more to do with those things that we mentioned that you're probably going to have to give up. Yeah. You know, that, that again, another bit of a tricky thing to overcome people. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's ultimately the plan has to be something that they believe in and they enjoy and that they can see themselves doing mm-hmm. six, 12, 18 months down the track. And basically like, to summarize up your points, like there are certain principles or rules that we have to, you know, adhere to in order to get the results that we're looking for. But, you know, there's, 
you know, you can fill in the dots however you want, as long as those rules are being hit, like calorie deficit or maintenance or, you know, progressive. Getting adequate protein. Yep. 100%. Different for everyone. You know, we've talked about like it's a range, you know, and some people prefer and do better on a bit high protein, some less, some more carbs, some less carbs, some more fat, some less fat. Um, but you know, I think like it's, I feel like, and this is where I went wrong is I got so stuck on these black and white rules rather than just looking at these overarching principles mm-hmm. and then working within them to find what worked for me and what I could be consistent with. Question for you. And I think this goes for a, a lot of women and Craig, you can chime in as well. How do you go from, like, I know, I believe you were at like someone that was on like a 1200 calorie diet, like very eating, very, not a lot. And probably inconsistently throughout the day, or maybe you had like one eating window. How do you get a woman to like, or anyone really to convince them to like, you know, really start eating more? Cause like you have a, a great diet, probably eating probably like 2,500 plus calories a day. Same with you, Craig, I'd imagine. But like telling someone that's eating 1,200 calories a day that they can, you know, eat a rich, delicious diet, like what is the first step? Like, well, first of all, I think you have to look at the person because if there's not that many women who are actually eating 1,200 calories. So okay. for example, I spoke yeah. to, and I'm just really direct with people. Like she was like 105 kilos and I'm like, it's impossible for you to actually be eating 1,200 calories. What you're doing and what I used to do is I would try and eat 1,200 calories and then three days I'd do it and then I'd fall off the wagon and consume it and she's like, you're right, Kitty, I just binge. Mm. So I'm like, you're not actually eating 1,200 calories. You're prob- And like you don't get to 105 kilos. Like you'd be eating way more than that. So what we need to do is get you eating more on a consistent basis so that you don't fall off the wagon and binge, but your overall calories will still be in a small deficit, but you're going to feel so much better because you're actually eating food you enjoy. So I said to her, like, she said, I love ice cream. I said, you can fucking eat ice cream every night. You can have that every single night. Like imagine getting to the end of your night, eating your delicious dinner with carbohydrates, you know, like you eat your laksa for lunch and then you know you've got some ice cream after dinner and you're feeling satisfied. Do you think you're going to fall off the wagon and eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's? Yeah, that's such a great point. That's that's the majority of women we work with. However, there are women, hey, Craig, like that come in at 50, like 50 kilo woman says, tells me she's eating 1,200 calories. I believe her with low body fat. The, 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 the calories, what people say, the calories don't match the body weight, right? And, and people can crap on about metabolism and all this sort of shit. I'm like, it's really not the biggest range that you believe and there's really not this thing about, oh, I've got a slow metabolism or fast metabolism, that's not really even a thing either. You know, if you're massively under-muscled and you don't actually track, you really have no idea what your calories are, so you, you need to go through the process. Or whatever. But pretty much if someone's eating 1,200 calories consistently, if they're not at least under 60 kilos, then I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. It's not. It's going to – you might believe that you're eating 1,200 calories, but what you're doing and what you're actually doing are two very different things. And, sure. and and getting that message across again is another tricky part because like no I, yeah I've been sometimes but most of ninety five percent of the time I'm pretty good I'm like well, what the fuck does ninety five percent like how do you even quantify that you can't you don't track it either for the women who are genuinely like because I would binge and then restrict I would restrict sorry then binge but I was obviously better at restricting because my weight you know like I I never was overweight. Um, but for the women who generally, generally like me too, because I was scared of like I'm five foot eight and I was 62 kilos, I'm now 68 kilos, you know. So for me it was taking that focus off the scales 
and really focusing on body composition and performances in the gym. And when I made that connection, like Craig obviously told me, but then when I would eat the food, I'd be like, oh, when I actually eat the amount of food he's told me, I can lift the weights and I can see my body changing. So even though I'm heavier, I look better. I just look better. Like my ass is more shapely. My legs are more shapely. I can eat more food. I get to eat all this delicious food and carbs. So trying to get them to buy into that instead of going, I just need to be skinny. I just need to be skinny. I need to be 50 kilos. And, you know, like I, for the small women out there, I, like a few years, I don't know how many years ago, once I got bigger, I just threw away all my clothes that didn't fit me anymore. I was like, they're never going to fit me. I'm never going to fit into that tiny size six, you know, whatever dress, but I don't want to because I feel like I look better now anyway and I feel so much better and I love my training. So really taking that focus off the scales and looking at body composition, performances in the gym, feeling better, enjoying eating more food. That's what really helped me, I think. And But track it because when I tracked it and looked at the data, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can see that my weight's going up and I'm eating more food, but I'm actually not gaining body fat. Like I'm gaining muscle. Like this process fucking works. Like it's it, it will show you. Um, and I think that's where a lot of women go wrong is that they just eat and don't track. And, of course, if you have genuinely been eating that low calories and you're under-muscled, if you just go and eat 5,000, like so much more food and you the strength gains, you don't have enough strength gains to go, because women can only put on so much muscle, you're going to gain a ton of body fat. So that's why I think it's important to track it, measure it, gradually increase, you know, push your training numbers up. like, And then you'll be like, wow, to me, doing it, and seeing the result, looking at the data, it took all the emotions just went away. Cause I was like, and now in my head, I'm like, this process is so fucking easy. If I ever want to lose body fat, I know exactly what to do. I'm not going to have to eat 1200 calories ever again. You know, and it just all, all of your stress and worry goes away. You know, like we, I can eat out and not track my food, you know, and I don't worry about it anymore. I don't stress about it. So I feel like it just gives you so much freedom. And when you listen to any of our podcasts with clients that have been successful in our program, they say the same thing about the tracking. Mm. It actually frees you and gives you because you've got the knowledge then. Yeah. And you, you're not afraid anymore. That's really interesting. You ever heard Jocko Wellink? He always says discipline is freedom. Obviously, that, that was really totally. uh, a beautiful point. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, I love Jocko. Go yeah. Jocko's the man. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm still harping. I can't believe like I never really put two and two together. Like, the, you're not eating 1,200 calories. Most people are not really eating 1,200 calories. Like, all the time like they're and they're not going for you know i'm going to go eat these strawberries and binge on you know they're going for the m&ms and the chocolates and that's probably a thousand calories right there yeah, yeah. and you and you're, it's, and you know what like if you're listening to this as a woman don't be ashamed like just mm-hmm. you're way better off just being honest and admitting it because i used to feel ashamed like i would eat i would eat and eat until i felt sick i would make myself throw up i would take laxatives you know, but once you can just be honest with yourself and admit it, then you can actually make the change, changes that you want, that you need to make to actually get healthier and feel better and eat more food. You know, you don't have to be ashamed about it. So step one, eat more nutrient-rich food. Well, maybe not step one. Well, I wouldn't say eat more. I think step one is establishing where you're at. Okay. Like what are my maintenance calories? Because you may not need to eat more. 
You know, you may just not be because if you don't establish where you are to start with, you have no fucking idea about what you need to do to get to the goal that you want. So I think most women, it's like, you know, Craig might talk about this a bit more, is you can even just use one of those online calculators to establish your maintenance. That's not going to be 100% correct, but it gives you a starting point. Set the fucking calories, eat it for two weeks, be consistent, and then see what happens. Mm -hmm. Then from there you can go, all right, what is it that I need to do from there? Do I need to eat more protein? Like even if you just track your own eating for a week and be 100% honest, you'll go, might go, shit, I'm trying to eat 1,200 calories during the week. And then I go and eat 10,000 calories on the weekend. So at least you've got a starting point, you know. For sure. No, I was just kind of, I wasn't being so literal about step one, but you're completely right. Yeah, but I feel um, like you need to be literal because people listen to fucking podcasts and go, but you said that I need to eat more. You know, like, I'm no, sorry, but. No, you're good. I appreciate you've called me out uh, as a very. You're not, you're not calling you out, but I just know that women will listen to mm-hmm. this and go, but you guys said that I just need to eat more, but I've already <laughs> eaten fucking 3,000 calories. I've been here on the weekend. So your problem isn't, you need to, I think, get an understanding of what you're doing now yeah. and where you're at now. So I think a lot of people or women in particular also like struggle with, you know, getting to the gym, maybe not getting to the gym, but they're afraid, you know, putting on lifting heavy weights is going to lift, make them look bulky. What is the, we all know that's not going to happen. You don't look like, you know, Arnold overnight, or I like to say like Steffi Cohen on, she's like a very famous powerlifter. Like she, she, no, nothing against her. I think she looks great for what she wants to do, but like it takes years and years of hard work and maybe some PEDs to get like that. What is the, you know, your typical response to convince them that this is not the case? Yeah. I think, just explaining to them what, what that actually means. So people are like, I don't want to lift your weights because I get bulky. And I'm like, well, well, hold on a minute. Let me just talk about the physiology of that point at the moment. It's just like, you know, two kilos of anything is two kilos of anything. So two, two kilos of muscle is the same as two kilos of fat, but two kilos of muscle is a lot more dense. So therefore it's taking up less space in your body. Two kilos of fat is about five times the size. I actually might, might even be a little bit more. I don't quite know, but it's, it's about five times the size. So it's taking up far more space in the body, right? So if you've got two women, right? So they're 70 kilos each. One's 35% body fat and the other one's 20% body fat. Well, they're both the same body weight on the scale, but the other one who is, uh, you know, 20% body fat will be wearing the smaller dress size because she has more muscle, right? And, and this is, this is a thing when you actually understand that point that muscle is taking up far less space in the body, far less space. Then when they go, Oh, I'm gaining muscle. I'm getting bulky. I'm getting fatter. And I'm like, but that's physiologically impossible. That's not how it works. What's happening is you started going to the gym, you're lifting some weights and maybe you're pushing yourself relatively well and your recovery demands go up and you're like, all of a sudden I'm just feeling hungry. So I'm going to eat more and in that case, it should only be maybe an extra 150, 200 calories a day. Maybe, you know, that's just a rough rule of thumb. But if you don't track, it's more like 500 to 600 calories a day, whatever it is, anything that's obviously pushing you into a surplus. So they're getting stronger, they're building muscle, but then they're, they're eating too much. So the fat's going on as well. So all of a sudden they equate, I'm lifting weights, getting stronger, but I'm also getting bigger. That's not what I want lifting weights must be the thing that's doing it because that's all I've changed. And it's just like, I mean, it's just not obvious at that point. I'm like, that's absolutely not, that's not the case. That's not how it works. You are not tracking the fundamental thing that's going to have the biggest impact on your body weight. Mm -hmm. So if your body weight's increasing, 
you know, certainly too much on a on a on an average weekly basis, then that's not the training. That's what you're sticking down your neck. So mm-hmm. let's just divide those for a moment. Let's focus on making sure that we understand how much we're sticking down the neck on a daily basis. We still want to train with the intent of trying to get as strong as possible. That should that should never ever change. That should always be the goal. Yeah, after how much muscle should I gain? The answer is always more. How much do you have now? Okay, it's this. The body that you want requires this, so it needs to be more. When you get there, what about then? Well, the answer will always be more. The more muscle you have, the better you will always look. There will be a point, sure, where you'll be like, I'm happy with this, but it's not going to happen in 12 weeks or six months. No. You know, muscle gain, certainly for females, is a very slow process. You've got to look at it over 12, 18, 24 yeah. years. You're like, you put in five years of solid training. Yeah. yeah. Five years. Yeah, you look awesome. Yeah. But, but Even again, for men, though, too, it's not like you maybe have faster initial bursts, but it's not like people think it is. No, not at all. But but again, we've still got to look at this like because people can be training for five years and still don't look very different, mm-hmm. right? So it's like I've been following the process. I don't look any different. I'm like, okay, maybe you've been doing it, but how have you been doing it? You know, like I'm like – Again, you bring it back to like strength milestones, right? Let's just say like on a on a deadlift, right? It's one measure that I always like to look at, whether it's a, stiff, a deadlift, a stiff leg deadlift, remaining deadlift. It's just like, how much can you lift now? It's like, I can do 60 kilos. And I'm like, for how many reps? For eight. I'm like, is that the absolute best you can do? Oh, there's no way I could do any more than that. I'm like, okay, cool. For you to look how you want to look, you need to be doing probably about 100 kilos for a set of 10. So you need to add 40 kilos to the bar for an extra couple of reps. And they're like, oh, man, that's going to take ages. I'm like, yeah, no shit, but that's realistic. But the thing that everybody intuitively knows, and you don't need to be an expert to intuitively understand this, is that if I added 40 kilos to the bar for the same amount of reps or more, is my hamstrings and my ass and my back and that going to look different from that particular movement? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it absolutely. So the goal should be about that intensity factor. It's like, and I won't digress too much around the whole training volume thing. It's like, oh, how many sets should I do? I'm like, you don't need set. Don't talk about sets. One hard set, two maximum, and then you're done. If the intensity and the progressive overload is happening, then you're doing the job. And the only goal should be if you set a milestone like that, okay, am I getting closer to lifting 100 kilos? based off me being at 60. If the answer is no, then you need to change what you're doing or look at how you're doing it. But you will not look any different until you add a significant amount of weight to the bar, right? But if you're maintaining your calories and maintaining your body weight, you will be getting smaller. Your measurements will be coming down because that muscle is going on. Yeah, I think that's such a great point and way to think about it, like in terms of you don't, maybe shouldn't care about the scale as much as trying to occupy less space. Cause that's really the end result everyone's looking for. Like, and it's just obviously a scale is a useful means of tracking that, but it's not the only thing that goes into that. But I believe- no, no, it's not element. It's it, we, we still need the, the body mm-hmm. weight, but we don't want to look at body weight on its own. We want to look at measurements, you know, we want to look at photos, right? Like how your clothes fitting subjectively, like all of these are going to paint the very best picture, but we need to look at all of them. Like, not anything in isolation, like anything, right? Mm. Like blood tests is another thing. Oh, I've got this one marker that's saying this. I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Like, let's look at everything. <laughs> it might mean anything, you know what yeah. I mean? So, 
Um, you got to look at everything in its totality. What about uh, this? Is actually Kitty? You've kind of changed my mind on this because uh, I posted about this a while back. And you know, muscle toning is like you know, if you wanted to really tone your muscles, the best way to do it would be to die because you know the amount of that's contracted when you die hardens a lot, so you get like you know, basically muscles flex the whole day. Um, but you know, we know. When someone says, I want to be toned, I don't have to tell them that the, what muscle tonicity is and that, you know, you can't really increase the amount of muscle that's contracted at rest. We all know what it means. Like everyone knows what being toned means. Um, so I think that's such a great point that you've harped on. Like, cause like when someone says, I want to be toned, like we know what that means. Like you don't need to be so literal, but you have, I think you have to explain to them. And that's what you guys have been getting out here. Like it's going to become from, you know, a difference in almost shaping in your body, right? Like more muscle relative to fat. Exactly. You can't tone a muscle. You can either build it or shrink it. Mm-hmm. And then how toned you look is how much muscle you have with less fat covering it. And the good thing about having more muscle is you can look more toned with higher body fat. So like I've been a range of body fat, like up to like 27, 28, 29%. I still look toned. I just looked smoother, but I looked toned. I didn't have any cellulite. I looked toned because I had a lot of muscle. I have a lot of muscle. So that's the beauty, I think, of having more muscle is that you can sit at high body fat and still look toned. You know, you eat way more, which is another question I have for you guys. What kind of change in, you know, metabolic rate are you guys seeing? You know, obviously, maybe someone says they're eating 1,200 calories, but, you know, they find their maintenance is at like maybe 1,800, 1,900, maybe it's 3,000. What, you know, are you seeing big jumps in metabolisms as these women gain muscle and get closer to their more ideal shape? So you know what, and we talk about this all the time, and Craig, we had to quote the fucking studies, but, like, you know, if you put on X amount of muscle, like how many pounds of muscle, Craig, is it five pounds? You you yeah. only actually burn, is it 30 more calories at rest? Is that yeah. what the study? Something like that, right? So going by that, you would say, well, does having a lot more muscle actually increase your resting metabolic rate by so much more? Obviously it increases it. So, like, I think I feel like, and this is just from working with clients in my own body, is that it's activity levels is one, but it's the recovery process from hard training that burns a lot of energy and takes a lot of energy. So, like, I notice myself when I'm, I only train three days a week now. I have, Craig does my program, two sets of all the exercise. It's not high volume. It's high intensity. I push every set to failure. Um. And I can eat so much. I can eat more food because I like the day after my body's like, fuck, fuck, kitty. Like you just put all this stress on me. You've broken down the muscle or created the fucking tears. It takes energy to restore the glycogen stores to start that repair process. And if we look at the women in our program, the ones that like really get into the training, they learn how to execute the movements well. They push them so they're efficient. They push them to failure. They can eat more food. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so again, it, if you get someone actually, um, Kathleen's a perfect example. Is one of my coaches. She actually lives in New Jersey, um, where you are, Tyler. It's, uh, yeah, cool. Jersey girl. Um, so when she started, so she was a marathon runner, right? Legit, and she, you know, she's quite. So I think she's about five nine, five ten, but like, like a beanpole, right? Like she was very, very thin. Like looked like a proper marathon runner. So again, set the process in terms of, okay, this is where your, your calories are. Get her to start doing strength training. And like she's, she's an athlete. So she picked it up very, very quickly. And, you know, she'd already lifted a little bit before, but never done it specific. And for her, it was just kind of like, I think we started at about 
I think it was about 1,700 calories or something like that. And I just explained to her, I said, like, you know, after a couple of weeks of seeing her lift and understanding where her lifts are, I'm like, this is where your lifts need to be. And I can't recall them off the top of my head, but we worked it all out. I'm like, this is where your lifts need to be. So I'm like, you need to be aiming towards those, but you're not going to get there on 1,700 calories, right? This is your maintenance calories. Those calories are going to have to go up for you to be up touching those sort of weights. So it just become this process. And because she's just so compliant, you know, she's, she's awesome. Um, she would go away and then every time she'd hit kind of like a, a few new strength milestones on her lifts, she'd do a check-in. She's like, oh, my God, I'm starving. I'm like, okay, have a look at her her training logs. I'm like, yeah, things are stalling. Okay, cool. Let's do a calorie bump. 200 calories, calorie bump. Strength training, go out or her, her lifts would start to go up again. Then they would stall. Hey, I'm starving again. Okay, cool. Make another calorie bump. Strength would continue to go up again. This process went on for about eight months. And she, you know, got pretty much close to all those milestones that we set. And it was just like, where did she end up? She, she ended up finishing at around 2,700 calories. And, you know, she was lifting like four days a week. But she actually, she actually didn't put on any body fat. I think she actually lost a little bit during that time. So it was pretty much just all lean muscle gain. I think she gained about nine pounds in total body weight. But it, it was pretty much just all lean mass at that point. Um, and it was just like, because we're testing and measuring it and we're looking at that, it's like what's happening with her body weight, what's happening with her measurements, what's happening with her strength numbers, how many steps she's doing. It just goes, okay, cool. It, it, are we progressing in the way we want? Yes, we are. Until she gets really, really hungry and then the progress in the gym stops. Right. It's either a recovery issue, right, primarily, and she just needs some more food because we kind of look at the rest days. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Just, just do a bump up of food everything goes up. So when you use data like that in that scenario, it just becomes so obvious what needs to happen next. So in terms of people like, oh, I want to be able to eat more food, it's just like, okay, just test and measure it because there are some people who can get into higher calorie ranges and that be because because they, they're just general outputs. They're, they're busier, they're more fidgety type people, you know, like all of these things kind of take into account. But the reality is for Kathleen, she made significantly huge jumps in her training. She was so consistent with it that it was just like her body just going, if you want us to progress, you need to give us more, yeah. right? And we just keep going until she gets to the point where that stops and body fat starts to creep on a little bit. And we're like, okay, around 2,700 was was where it was at. So it was like, okay, well, she was maintaining at 1,700. She's gained only lean body mass up to 2,700. We can then recalculate and say, well, her new maintenance is probably around 22, something, 2,300 maybe, something like that. And that's awesome. It, it, it's just, that's just what it is. You know, like the, the data just doesn't lie in, in, in that point. So, um, you know, I think everyone can get to that point. But it's all just based on your ability to actually get really, really fucking strong. And I, I can't overstate that point enough. You know, people are like, oh, I've added like 10 kilos to my deadlift. Like I'm getting strong. I'm like, well, how long did it take you to do that? Oh, it's taken me 12 weeks. I'm like, what, what weight did you start with? Oh, like, you know, 100 pounds. I'm like, I don't mean to bust your bubble. Like I'm glad you're making progress, but like that's not going to warrant any real calorie changes at this point. You need to add another 40 or 50 pounds at least before your body goes, all right, we're in a new threshold here. We're going to need some more fuel to keep this going. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It takes so, time. It takes time as well. you got to like get out of your head. I'm going to get there in 12 weeks. You're not. 
like building muscle takes time and it's got to become, I think, like a lifestyle, you know, and, but like we've always said, like once you get to make, because women message me and go, oh, but Kitty, you always look like you're trying to get strong. I'm going to have to push hard all the time. No. Once you've built the foundation, maintenance, you can do a third of the volume, you know, like you can do less. Like it's maintenance is actually really easy. But if you just put the work in, build the foundation first, and then, you know, like there's a lady I interviewed in our program. She did it for 12 months and she's 50 now and she just does two days a week full body. She's like, I look great. I eat between two to two and a half thousand calories a day. I don't track my food all the time because I know roughly how much I need to eat. But if I ever feel really tired or something goes wrong, you know, like I'm having some issues, I just go back and track and I can spot check and go, oh, actually I'm under eating or does that make sense? Like, you know, it's, it's not like you have to do it forever, but once you've built that foundation and you understand and you've tracked for a long time, it just becomes so much easier. hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's awesome to hear. Program sounds very good. I just have one last question for you both and we'll get you guys out of here. Overcoming fear and insecurities in the gym. And I think that's something everyone deals with men, women, young, old. Um, but, uh, you know, what do you guys like? I feel like a lot of people are afraid, especially, um, you know, people I've talked to are afraid of using the cables. I know you guys have gotten on like, you know, Ben Giannis and stuff and, you know, cast and stuff. Um, what are your general advice? I actually did a reel on this. Oh, today? I must have missed it. <laughs> it's a, the New Strength News with Karen Bloomingdale. And like, honestly, gyms are a pretty like friendly place. Like the people in there are generally supportive and they're not looking at you. They're not. Like most no of the cares. time, you know, you see all these fucking fitness little bunnies running around with their scrunch bum pants that ride so, so far up their fucking ass. You can see what they had for breakfast when they bend over. <laughs> They're looking at themselves, taking selfies. The big muscly dudes are the same. And like, you know, if you actually were stuck and you went and asked someone for help, like 99% people would be like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll help you. They're just not looking at you. They're not. They're not. And you just got to, to overcome that fear. There's no magic. You just got to go and do it. You just got to go. And the only way you're going to build that resilience and get better and feel more confident is actually going, doing the exercises, learning how to be a better lifter. And then, you know, like women in our program, some they've had PTs come and go, wow, your technique's really good. Where did you learn how to lift? But the only way you can get better is just by practicing. You just got to practice. You just got to do it. And, like, I even had a call with a lady that I signed up uh, a while ago and she's, um, you know, coming up to a 16 week mark. And remember on the call, she's like, Kitty, I just don't want to train in the gym. I'm too scared. I gave her the same speech. She's like, I fucking love my training now. She loves it. She's not scared of going to the gym anymore, but she's like, you're right. I just had to get in and do it. Just ask yourself this. What's the worst that can happen? Are you going to die? You're not going to die. So just get in there, like, and do it. And trust me, you'll be fine. And you'll get over that fear and you'll become an amazing lifter and you'll feel confident. That was great. Thank you guys. Yeah. I think it's so awesome that there's so many people like you guys today or like, you know, the Ben Giannis and, um, I forget your, your, what's your coach's name, Greg. Um, yeah, was, was Nick. Yeah. I've been with Brandon for a little while now. Brandon DeCruz. Yeah. Another Jersey guy. I think. So, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's so many great resources out there today when like, I don't know, just not even 10 years ago when I was first getting into it, like, and I'm sure when you guys first got into it, it was like, it's, possible to find and everything is like you know one extreme to the other so now you know you have the the new strength and you guys and you know our programs like the ray pete's the world where it's becoming popular so and even like ben Giannis and Cassim, it's awesome to see you know all that stuff coming you have those resources available speaking of that where can everyone find you guys 
just uh, just my Instagram, Kitty K I T T Y B L O M F I E L D, and our website, um, newstrength.com.au, N U S T R E N G T H. We've got a podcast too, Weight Loss Women Eat More, Train Less, Get Results. But if you go to my Instagram, you can it's all there. All the links and stuff in there. And make sure to tune in to uh, New Strength News. Kitty and Craig do some great skits over there. I'll have to go find the uh, insecurities one, but those are great. <laughs> really hammer the message home. Craig, I don't know if you got accent training for that, but uh, it's paying go off. Go on. Bring, bring out Dazza, would you? Dazza, the Australian How's it going? Back to some more <laughs> training tips. Sweet. <laughs> Yeah, if, any, if you're American, you probably won't get this, but it, Aussies will get it. So there was this show, Full Frontal. Was it Full Frontal, right? Yeah, Full Frontal, yeah. Full Frontal. Well, Eric, Eric Banner, like any American. Yeah, like he, was, he was this guy, Coida. Coida? Full Frontal. Fucking hilarious. So that's what we sort of modelled it off with the mullet and the durry and the, he'd always have a beer can and, like, just it's hilarious. Go and look him up. It's the best. Oh, well. yeah, it's awesome. I love seeing you guys do that. It just makes – it's kind of like Ben Giannis with the memes. Like some sometimes you just have to hit a certain message in a certain way for it to actually ring true. And it's like when you guys make it so silly, it's like, oh, you know, this actually makes sense. So we, we appreciate da- Daza and Karen. No, it's hilarious. Yeah, we have a lot of fun making them too. Like half the time we're pissing ourselves laughing. You know, <laughs> like there's all the blooper things going on. Yeah, it's just, it's fun, you know, like, gotta have a bit of fun, you know? For sure. We live in such a serious industry where everyone's yelling. That's what I appreciate about a lot of you guys as well. It's like everyone's very friendly with each other, don't really participate in like the negativity that's very perpetuated in that industry. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But honestly, guys, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Um, Hopefully, we can do this again sometime. And uh, that's it for this episode, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you all soon. Be good.